0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday, July 13th. Today is Wellness Wednesday, and this is the Two Sisters podcast this morning, and what a great morning it is to have such an amazing guest. I would love to welcome to the Two Sisters podcast family, Sarah Thomas. Welcome.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Wonderful. So I just want to share a little bit. Well, we have a lot to chat about a lot to cover. But <laughs> excuse me, I want to share with everyone that Sarah is a personal trainer, fitness instructor, nutrition coach, coach, and a business mentor, along with so many other things. And God bless you for being a fitness instructor. I'm a former uh, certified personal trainer, and I was always interested in that. But that's a story for another time. Yep. Anyways share with us how you got started in this amazing field.
1: Well, I really have to go back to my childhood uh, because I have quite the history with weight and eating disorders and, and all the things that I think a lot of women can really relate to. I I started as an overweight child. I was an obese child for many, many years. I went down that path of feeling like, you know, I just didn't fit in. I wanted to be, you know, normal, so to speak, and just fit in with the crowd, you know, when I was a younger um, child. Fast forward to my teenage years, I was an anorexic teen. I ended up with quite a path of an eating disorder with anorexia, uh, trying to recover through that, that actually led me down to overexercising. Once I started eating again, I wasn't healed mentally. I was not healed from the inside. And so I started eating, felt like, oh my goodness, this isn't good. I'm going to put the weight on. So I began overexercising, you know, exercise all the things off. And that was really in my college years. Um, from there, I continue to over-exercise because it is, it's an illness over exercising is an illness. Uh, and I will say that being a fitness instructor, that did not help things out because, uh, fitness instructors over-train every single week. Um, so from there, I really started diving into nutrition in my early twenties and trying to really put the pieces together because I knew I, what I was doing wasn't sustainable. It wasn't healthy for me. Like I said, from the inside out. And once I started diving into nutrition, started putting the pieces together of, okay, eating less, exercising more is not the answer. That's not sustainable. And especially as we get older, we realize that we can't, we can't can't do that. We cannot continue to pound our bodies through um, all all the abuse that we're trying to put it through. And so, when I put the pieces together, I went through a, a mental health journey as well. Started to do something that I just guinea pigged on myself. As far as nutrition, I implemented some intermittent fasting, some carbohydrate cycling, um, sort of working out for just 30 minutes a day, which again, that was like a mental mindset for me shift of doing less, eating more. And, and what, was born was burn fat and feast, which is my business now. And I truly started it and I never meant for it to be a business. It was truly just for me to go down a healing journey of wellness. Um, but when I started it, I realized I needed to get it out to people in the world. And so started reaching out to friends, friends reached out to me and we just, it just organically grew from there. And so um, that's kind of, Kind of how how it all all began.
0: (laughs) Wow! And and thank you so much for sharing your story. Because as I've always chatted about, there's always a story. Yes. Behind the story, and I so relate to some things that you said. And I and I just want to go back a little bit Mm -hmm. because I think when number one, when you're a child and you're going through something as sensitive as your weight issues. There is, I know that I believe for me, it was as an adult, but I believe that I wasn't worthy enough. Mm, So my mindset really was what cued me in. And you were trying to, for you be normal and you're normal is different from somebody else's and that's okay but that led you on a path and to be anorexic in your teenage years Mm -hmm. and then the over exercising Mm -hmm. which i can relate to yeah yeah now a lot of people may be wondering at that stage where you had mentioned you were anorexic in your teens did somebody help you or direct you, or did you just kind of, uh, pay the, your own journey? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I wish that I had had, uh, someone in my corner, so to speak, or I had gone to therapy and, and really had some guidance with that. Um, I didn't, and you know, I'm, I'm in my, my mid forties now. So, you know, when I was in my teenage years, I don't think a lot of that was accepted as it is today to reach out, to find the help. I felt, I felt alone and I really did feel alone for years through my childhood, teenage years and young adulthood, because I, again, I felt like I just, I didn't fit in. I, I wanted to just, be with the crowd. I didn't want to stand out, whether that was being overweight. I didn't want to stand out there being an anorexia. I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to bring attention to myself of what I was going through. So I really did go down this path alone for many years. Now I've recently been through therapy for, you know, all the things I'm such an advocate for therapy for everyone, uh, no matter if they feel like they have an issue or not. Um, that's, that's a whole nother podcast probably, but But yeah, it was, it was a journey of two steps forward, one step back, um, trying to figure out what wellness truly looked like for me.
0: And that's a key ingredient, what wellness looked like for you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and wellness for many people are different things. And I think of wellness as the umbrella, And underneath it are so many different aspects of it. There's transformation, there's getting healthy and whatever it may mean to somebody else. And part of that too, and I'm just looking at my scribble notes here. Part of that too, especially as now you're a very impressionable teenager and being anorexic. And a question that pops into my mind is how do you go from what you being a young child, being overweight to then being anorexic? Because one would look at that and think, wow, that's, um, I just have to adjust this, I'm so sorry. Um, One would think that that is an extreme from one thing to the other. Mm -hmm. And you navigated that by yourself. Mm
1: -hmm. I did. I will never sugarcoat it and say it was an easy journey, um, but when I, when I look back on that time in my life, I, I was focused, and like you said, wellness is an umbrella, I could not agree more, like 100% agree with that. It is an umbrella, it encompasses so many aspects of being healthy, but at that point in my life, I was only focused on wellness in my head as a young kid, teenager, was physical that was that was it it was just the physical part of how i looked how i could have put, could perform physically um in sports and so m- during my journey i started to realize that wasn't everything that wellness wasn't how I looked or how I appeared to other people and that I was worthy of giving myself more, giving myself finally the self-love that I never gave myself before, accepting myself for who I was, and then really truly working on the internal part of wellness, of talking positively to myself, which I, I don't think that's a, that's a atypical thing, right? Teenage girls right. don't talk well to themselves. That, that self-talk is so incredibly important. And so that, that really started my journey and, and snowballed from there.
0: Wow. Because what you just described, the, the physical part of it, but the physical part of it is not only the appearance but the emotional attachment and our Mm -hmm. perception of how others would view ourselves. And I love what you said about the self-talk to you that, you know, that we are worth it. And because how many thoughts do we have per day? I think it, I read an article recently, and it was like thousands and thousands of, so if we're filling our heads every day, every moment with I'm not good enough. Uh, I can't do this. Oh, I look fat today. Like those are real negative antidotes that leads us down a spiral staircase, so to speak.
1: Absolutely and you know I, I will say that I I have two teenage daughters now and so this is very, very important to me in my life currently to teach Great. them how to talk positively to themselves even if they don't believe it at that moment because I, I say this to my girls all the time and, and they're teenagers so a lot of times I get the eye roll but um, but but I say girls, what you think you believe and what you say to yourself, you believe as truth and reality. And so when you continually tell yourself negative thoughts, that's what you think about yourself, that's what you truly believe. But if you turn it around, you you practice the positive self-talk every single day, you'll start to
0: believe it. That is so true, because I think what young girls and teenagers don't realize is that negative self-talk within our minds, within ourselves, the subconscious really starts to take on that persona. Yes. You know, for instance, you know, maybe a change of a new outfit and you go out with your friends and, oh, you know, you look kind of, I look kind of crappy. I shouldn't have worn this. Well, Mm -hmm. we project that image out maybe without realizing it.
1: Yes. And it shows up. And and I think we just don't put enough emphasis on the power of that self-talk and what we're thinking and saying to ourselves inside, but it shows up outside. So for like your example of not feeling good about going out in a certain outfit, we are going to project that physically for that entire night. We're going to hold ourselves differently. We'll speak differently. Our body language will be different all night long because of how we feel about something we chose.
0: That is so true. And, you know, think of that young, impressionable teenager. Maybe they go out after, you know, they went bowling or something of that nature and they're sitting there eating. And now there's that prospect of, oh my God, now I'm with my friends and everybody's eating, but, you know, I shouldn't eat. I, you know. Yeah. Yes. And that yeah. starts at. Cycle of self doubt of that they're not worthy enough. Oh my gosh, have you by any chance done any webinars or seminars for teenage girls? I actually ran
1: a summer camp a few summers ago for well, it was for preteens through adolescence, and uh, you know the, those teen years. So that that window of time, and it was so, number one, fun for me. Um, Number two, it was incredibly eye-opening to see when, when kids are in a group, when teens are in a group together, and they have the opportunity to open up to each other and express their thoughts and their feelings, they do it. Openly, it, I, I was I was amazed by that because I thought, okay, going into this, I'm not really sure what to expect. I'm going to give them the opportunity to open up, give them opportunity to you know share how they feel about themselves, and have others come back to say, here's how I I perceive you in the positive light. It was it was probably the best experience for my now my girls were there as well, but but for myself as well as as the teens. Uh, so. What I walked away with, with that, uh, summer camp was that it's there that our, our teens want to share, they want to express their feelings. We just have to give them the opportunity and, and the means to do that in a, in a environment that is not challenging them where they feel very comfortable.
0: That is so true because you know, obviously, when I was a young teenager, there wasn't social media around. Social media Mm that was hanging out the window and yelling for your uh, best friend, you know, who lived in the next house over that was our extensive social media, if you want to even call it that. So, social media today is put, although it's great in some respects, I think that there's a negative aspect for these young impressionable women who are trying to make their way and navigate through being a teenager. I just.
1: Yep. A hundred percent agree with that. And like I say, I'm in the trenches with my two teenage daughters with that right now. And so speaking firsthand, uh, I could not agree more. It is, it's social media is a double-edged sword. There's so many great things about social media. However, for teens, I feel there's more negative than there are positive outcomes to social media. And the bottom line here is that there's, there's, too much comparison. And we talked earlier about not feeling worthy, self-doubt. Those are the things that teenage girls are seeing and feeling on social media. They weren't invited to the party. Well, this group of friends had a great weekend and they feel like they didn't. And it's just that constant comparison trap and feeling like you need to do more. You need to be better when at the end of the day, what we really need to be focusing on with our teens is being true to who they are and knowing that they were put on this earth to be themselves and be individually themselves and t- truly true to who they are. And I, 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 that's really hard with social media.
0: It, it sure is. You know, I even find as an adult, you know, mm-hmm. being a little awkward on social media, you right. know, what do I post? You know, okay. Um, I'm on camera right now. I didn't have time to put my makeup on. I put my lipstick on. I don't know. Ever since I turned 60, I like have to have my lipstick on. doesn't matter. I I love it. It's it's a funny sidebar story that everything that my mother told me about when I was in my thirties, like I didn't like lipstick. I, you know, all this stuff that she liked, she's like, yeah, wait till you're 60. You're going to love it. You'll love it. We're right, mom. Right. Okay, now that I got that out of the way. <laughs> right, right. But the point being, you know, it, it's okay to be ourselves and be, maybe be a little uncomfortable with being comfortable or vice versa. I don't compare myself to other people. But I know, you know, for young impressionable teenagers, this is not just... Something that happens like this is a regular reoccurring thing from that for them. And I'm so happy that you were able to do that boot camp for these teens that, um, and I'm sure that they had a blast. Did your daughters have a blast?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's
0: wonderful. Do you mind if I ask their ages?
1: Uh, they are 13 and 15 in August, almost 15
0: wow. Yes. My son will be 35 in August. So. Oh, amazing. Yes. So
1: we are, we are all the teenage things we are going through. And now my almost 15 year old is all about driving and what car she's going to have. And you know, the, the, the important things in life.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I didn't get my uh, license till I was 19, but you know, God bless her. I think that's amazing. Right. So I want to talk about as you go forward in life and now you're an adult and, you know, you're men, you mentioned your mental health journey and I couldn't agree with you more about um, the therapy part of it. You know, I myself have gone for therapy and I'm, I'm not afraid nor ashamed to say that I have. Right. Um, it really does the body, the mind, the soul very good. <laughs> Excuse me, if you could share one experience as you were going through your therapy, what for you has maybe stood out the most that you now apply it into not only your everyday life, but into your business?
1: Yeah, this one's really easy because I've actually ingrained it into my business. Um, we have a motto, progress over perfection, which you know I'm sure you've heard something similar in your lifetime. But we live by that. Uh, So within our wellness program, you know, we talk about this every single day with all of our members, because number one, I struggled with that as a child. And as I've unpacked everything that I went through from childhood through my young adult years, I realized that, yes, I I didn't feel that self-worth, but I also felt this pressure to do everything perfectly, which led me to going to the extreme, right? The extreme of of anorexia over exercising. That was always where I went. And, you know, when you look at it at the end of the day here, it was more about me feeling like I had to do it perfectly. You want me to do this? I'm going to do it X, Y, and Z. And this is how I'm going to do it. And it's going to be very rigid. And so what I've realized when I started burn fat and feast years ago is that That's pretty normal for for women to feel like they have to do everything well, everything perfectly, being a mom, being a business owner, doing your job, um, running your errands, all the things need to be done a certain way. Again, that comparison trap that we find ourselves in, but feeling like we have to do things perfect. And I'll I'll go back to social media here too, that that's also an an issue. I feel like we feel like everybody else, you look on social media, everybody else has had this perfect vacation and they had, oh, they have no laundry on their dining room table, which I have right now outside my door. So, but you don't see those things. And so we've, fall into the trap of feeling like we have to be perfect because everyone else around us is. And so within our community that is huge. We talk about giving yourself grace and progress over perfection, taking steps forward, but also during this wellness journey that means sometimes we take step back
0: step, take steps backwards
1: and that's normal. It's part of the process.
0: Right, because sometimes the normal part of our behavior, even though we know it's good or bad, but if you look at something, if you look at what you're doing in a way that you're being gentle and kind to yourself, and like you said, all right, you may go two steps forward, and you may go one step back, but that is part of the learning process, and to give yourself that grace, to give yourself that progress over perfection, like, okay, you know, hey, I went a step backwards, but did I learn? I always ask myself, did mm-hmm. I learn something from that? Did that lead me into a different direction that was even better than what I had anticipated? So I l- absolutely love how you describe that. So thank yeah. you for doing that. Oh my gosh. Like, now, how did you become a fitness instructor? I obviously, you know, I was a certified personal trainer. Yeah. I wanted to become a fitness instructor, but I have a hard time even breathing when I'm exercising. (laughs) It's
1: it's, it's part of the job description, I think, right? Breathe, talk, do the things. So uh, interesting story. Uh, So when I was had gone through my anorexia years as a young teen, went to college, uh, again, was not on a great path, obviously of wellness, but I went to college on a scholarship that this is, this is terrible required me to weigh in every week to maintain my scholarship, uh, which that's a whole another path of, you know, the mental health journey and, um, That's what led me to overexercising. But at the time we had to weigh in and we were supposed to make sure that we were, we were working out. We were doing some conditioning um, as well with our scholarship. So I wanted a job. (laughs) I really wanted a job in college. And my father who was paying for college for me out of state said, you, your job is your scholarship and your job is, is good grades. I really wanted to work though. I really wanted to make some money. So uh, my workaround was that I became a fitness instructor because I already, I had to work out. That was part of my scholarship and I could make money. So at the end of the day, my father turned to me and said, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> you figured out the loophole. Great. So that, that's where I started doing fitness instructing. And then from there, I got my personal trainer, certification, nutrition, and and all of that. So, um, but yeah, that was my, that was my, I'll show him type of story.
0: (laughs) And I love that because uh, what you had mentioned about your father um, mentioning to you, oh, I see you found the loophole. And, Mm -hmm. and that may have been maybe I, and I'm just speculating, like maybe initially he thought, oh, maybe that's a step backward. But actually for you, it was like whew, full steam ahead.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it was. And and I really think that uh, having that outlet helped me down a healing journey. Um, of course, you know, I, I was still over exercising, but it did help me down the path of, of really being around people who were different and different sizes, different mindsets and helped me really, it was, it was part of my therapy at the time to figure out what that umbrella of wellness really looked like.
0: Right. And I think with the wellness uh, umbrella, you know, sometimes, and, and I do apologize, there's heavy equipment in the area. So I'm not sure if you can hear that. You're fine. You apologize <laughs> for all that. But sometimes under that umbrella, that is exactly what we need to do. But I, I do want to go back to the over-exercising part, because mm-hmm. I think there, we need to chat about that a little bit further with my wellness journey, when I initially lost all my weight, that was, and I, you know, I freely admit it. That was, I knew the one thing that was on top of my list that I can control. Like nobody else could absolutely control it. What did over-exercising look for you? Like, was it maybe doing two one-hour workouts? Like what exactly did that mean for you?
1: So my over-exercising really started end of high school, first of college. But when I started doing group fitness, I was teaching just a few classes at first so i would teach some classes then i would go and do my workout because that wasn't my workout and truly as a fitness instructor oftentimes it isn't your workout if you're not doing all everything with the class or you're really focused on the members as i feel like you should be oftentimes it isn't it isn't necessarily workout depending on what you're teaching but I would do that. And then I would go to the gym for at least an hour and a half. Sometimes I would do two a days, which would be working out in the morning and then coming back in the afternoon and the evening. And that really, that started, you know, around college, it continued through, My mid to late 20s. So it was about a 10 year span of over exercising. And when I look back on it, it got worse and worse and worse because you get in that mindset of more is better, more is better. Let me do more. I'm not where I am yet. That must mean I'm not doing enough. And so as I progressed out of college, I started working at a gym as a fitness instructor, teaching up to 20 classes a week. And then doing my own workout at the gym. So we're, I mean, we're talking to maybe three hours a day, hours working out that that's just, that's just ridiculous. When I think back on that now, I'm like, that was so ridiculous. And I show pictures often to clients to show them that actually I was heavier than than I am now. Um, My body composition is totally different. I wear two sizes smaller in my mid forties than I did in my early twenties when I was doing all the exercise. So, um, you know, it's a Testament to, we don't have to do more to get to where we want to be mentally or physically. And I just, you know, also to, to go back to the wellness part, it was, it was mental. It was, it was also mental of, I feel good, right? You feel good when you work out because there's endorphins kick in and you, and you're doing something good for your body. But there's that line that we have to know that we need to stop. And if we want to be healthy in our sixties and our seventies and beyond, we, we can't continue to abuse ourselves.
0: That is so true. And I love how you explain that in such a way where you know, you're being real and authentic with what you do and looking back objectively on what you did and how you did it is so important. For me, I know that it was, you know, like you said, it was exercising. Oh, I've got to exercise. got to exercise. I got to do more. I got to do more. And what I can remember still looking in the mirror and still seeing the fat adult that I was yeah. before I lost the weight. So my next question is: I think as women, we put too too much emphasis when we step on the scale when we look on that at that number. Amen. And the other thing that I've noticed, and it's come up a lot lately, and I don't know why. But you know, I'll be you know obviously I'm a, I'm also a certified health coach. A lot of people will say well you know one pound of fat one pound of muscle muscle weighs more and i'm like no one pound is one yes
1: oh my gosh i'm so glad you said that
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you has any of your clients like when you're having these discussions and you chat with them about the one pound of fat? okay all right you got on the scale this morning it was one fifty. You went up two pounds. Did you? A lot of these scales have the, the breakdown. Well, if your your muscle mass went up, but your clothes feel different. Yeah. Like, what would they say to you? And I'm curious to know because I think that's key as we go forward.
1: It is. It, it's it is key, and it is a problem for. I would say 95% of women out there who put so much emphasis on what that number says when we step on a device, right? Let's like break this down. It is our body's relationship to gravity. That's what, that's what it is. Body's relationship to gravity. It ebbs and flows depending on what we ate where we are in our menstrual cycle, going through menopause, our stress levels, how hydrated we are. There are so many factors to what that number is. And let me, let, let's just be real clear. If you wake up in the morning and you step on a scale, you know, you, you have no clothes on right out of bed. You step on a scale. You could easily be five pounds to 10 pounds lighter than if you were to step on that scale at 4 p.m. the same day. Now let's let's be let's be realistic. Did you gain 10 pounds, like real 10 pounds in 12 hours? No, no. And so the the bottom line with the, the scale is that. We are not educated enough to really understand the relationship of what our body is doing to what that number says on the scale, first of all. And so that is that's huge for me and huge for my clients is that I teach them the, the education, like the education is huge. What does the scale represent? Why do we step on it? And I re- I tell our clients not to step on it. I actually tell them step on it when you start just to have a baseline, but do not step on it for three months because our body changes so much. And like you said, yes, some of our scales will show us, you know, your muscle mass and your bone density. Are they super accurate? Some are, some aren't. Right, Um, so there's that. There's that. It's kind of like your your watch. It can be super accurate with some things, very inaccurate with other things. So it's a double edged sword with all the technology that we have. But with the scale, I want to teach our clients that it, it when you change your muscle mass, that number may change. It may go up. It may very well go up. It doesn't mean that muscle weighs more than fat because a pound of muscle and a pound of fat. Is a pound however you slice or dice it Absolutely. and that analogy drives me insane it is a pound either way it looks different though it looks different and so you know you have a pound of fat that's this, this big and a pound of muscle is here they take up very different um, real estate in your body, right? The real estate is very different. So you could gain two pounds of muscle, but look leaner and toner than if you had just one pound of fat. And so I think that's really the, what the analogy is trying to represent not very well. Um, but they look very different. The pound of the pound look different in your body, but it is, it goes back to the education. It goes back to learning the why behind the how, and I, that is like, my biggest thing. If I can do anything on this earth, I want to teach women why they're doing what they're doing, um, what is happening from the inside out. And, and the scale is a big part of it because we, what's the f- first thing we do when we go to a doctor's office,
0: step on, this step on the
1: scale, and then they'll tell us you're overweight, you're underweight, you're, it's just, it is, it's so ingrained in what we do on a daily basis. And, and so to get our mindset out of we're not who we are, that number does, does not define who we are is a process. Amen. Just, just like I, I mentioned with my wellness journey, it's a process. It is a step-by-step understanding and And having that community, which is something that we also implement in our program, but having that community of women who've been through the process, who can help guide you is also key. So that education and just that support from other people is is huge.
0: It it sure is. And, you know, thank you so much. And I, the next time I go to the doctor's office uh, and I have to step on the scale, I'm just going to say, this is my body's relationship to gravity. Just saying. Just saying, right.
1: I'm just going to go ahead and tell you before I step on here.
0: <laughs> um, and I love what you said about, um, I'm trying to read my notes here, that the the muscle in the fat takes up different real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have in- to steal that phrase, just saying.
1: Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. But but it's true. And, and, and that's part of one of the pictures that I show uh, clients from my twenties and into my forties. That is exactly what my, my, my before and after shows is I I actually weigh 15 pounds more now than I did in my twenties. But like I said, two sizes smaller. And my definition, if you, if you see the picture side by side, you can clearly tell that I am a smaller leaner person now than I was then. And that's just because of that, the real estate fat versus muscle.
0: Right. Thank you. And for those of you just listening, um, Sarah showed her fist and showed her other hand as wide open, like showing the five fingers to just kind of correlate the difference of that. Um, so I wanted to alert you to that. Sarah, this has been such an amazing conversation. How do our viewers and listeners um, get in contact with you?
1: We are on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us at burn fat and feast on Instagram. Same on Facebook. You can also visit our website, burn So super simple to find us. And I'm of course, happy to answer any questions. If you have it from our, our conversation, this was So much fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. And, you know, just to let everyone know, Carol Sue was going to try to make it on and she had some physical therapy with, I believe this is for her hip. She has three different things going on. And I know that she wanted to be on here. And I know she as well will be inspired with today's conversation. So, welcome again to the Two Sisters podcast family. And I hope you will consider coming back on.
1: I would love it. It's been a joy. Thank you again. Perfect,
0: Perfect. folks. We want you to just a quick reminder. Carol Sue usually does the um, the little chat about Wealth Wellness Wednesday. It's about having that healthy relationship with money. You know, maybe you're in the grocery store and the woman ahead of you may be short a few dollars. Maybe she's buying some um diapers or formula and maybe you reach out and just give it to her or you can do it anonymously but do it in a way that feels good to you it's not about the dollar amount it's about sharing the wealth and spreading the ripple effect my name is janice aka wellness diva 5.0 with two sisters and carol sue will be on hopefully with us tomorrow And thank you all for being here today. Have a great day, everyone. Bye for now.